Well, now, little ones, this is your Uncle Jasbo with another bedtime story, The Three Little Pigs. Once upon a time in the land of Oo Papa Dow, there lived three little pigs. One of them was very cool, another was more on the commercial side, and the third was definitely square. One day, as the three little pigs were taking five, they heard that a big bad wolf was making the local scene on a one-nighter. Knowing that his approach signaled danger, they immediately set about the business of constructing shelter. The square little pig swung a quick GI loan, and in cut time threw up a real frantic bungalow, complete with wall-to-wall -wall floors and a TV antenna. The commercial little pig laid out for a few bars, and then moved into a prefab joint out of the high-rent district. But the cool little pig goofed all together, and at the last possible minute built himself a real purple light shack out of clarinet reeds and scotch tape. Well, sir, the big bad wolf blew in as advertised, and the first place he went looking for action was to the shack of the third little pig. And applying his hairy knuckles to the door, he laid down a crazy paradiddle and said, Man, it's a raid! Jack said the pig, it's after closing. Don't hand me that jazz, the wolf said, open up. Sorry, said the pig, you gotta make reservations. Charlie, said the wolf, if you don't open that door, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Just tell me one thing, said the pig, what condition is your lip in? Enraged at this impertinence, the wolf came on like Joshua, the walls came tumbling down, and in no time at all, the little pig was really gone. The following day, the wolf knocked at the door of the second little pig. Who calls like, said the pig. Never mind, said the wolf. Open the portal and give me some skin, pig. Or give me some pig skin, as the case may be. Not by the hairs on my chinny-chin-chin, said the pig. Bless my soul, said the wolf, it's dizzy. No, it ain't, said the pig. Well, then it must be, uh, Jasbo, said the wolf. Wrong again, said the pig. Tell you what, said the wolf. I'll just peek through your keyhole. In a pig's eye, you will, said the little pig, which angered the wolf so much that he forthwith blew the joint down and swallowed up the pig. The next day, the wolf fell by the domicile of the cool little pig and rapped on the door. Have no fear, he said. Big Joe is here. Man, said the pig, you've had it. Blow. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I understand there's a session going on here today, said the wolf. I'd like to sit in. I'm hip, said the pig. If you'll just slide down the chimney as per instructions in the script, I'll really give you something to sit in. At this, the wolf leapt to the roof and in so doing, dislodged the brick, which fell down the chimney and climbed against the great iron pot in the fireplace. What was that? the wolf shouted. E-flat, said the pig, and man, it's your chorus. Fall in. And fall in the wolf did, down the chimney and into the boiling pot. The little pig clapped the cover on the pot and let it simmer for 48 over a low flame. When at last he lifted the cover, he smiled broadly. Ah, he said, my favorite soup, cream of nowhere. Once upon a time, in a neat little cottage, 
lived the three bears. One was a daddy bear, one was the mama bear, and one was the baby bear. And while they were out of walking through the deep woods of talking, came a little girl with long golden hair. Her name was Goldilocks, and upon the door she knocks. But no one was there, so she walked right in, had herself a good time, cause she didn't care. But soon she got sleepy, went to bed upstairs, went home, home, home came the three bears. Someone's been tasting my porridge, said the daddy bear. And someone's been my porridge, said the mama bear. Bear, mama, bear, said the little wee bear. Someone has broken my chair. Confederate soldier. He had sent this girl, Laura Foster, an engagement ring. She was supposed to have been truthfully waiting on him, but she was waiting in a funny kind of way. Well, the same thing is going on today while boys in Vietnam. Tom Dooley had this gal's picture in his pocket on the battlefield, and every chance he'd get, he'd take this picture out and kiss all over it. While he was kissing all over her picture on the battlefield, some other cat back home was kissing all over the gal. Tom Dooley returned home on May 1st, 1868 in Wilkes County, North Carolina. Lara Foster saw him coming down the trail on his jackass. He wasn't riding in the Mustang or Thunderbird like you riding in the day. So she had his engagement ring hid in a snuff can, tube-robe snuff. Matter of fact, this is what made two-robe snuff famous. She saw him coming down the trail on the jackass. She got his ring and put it on her finger and polished it off on a skirt to make it look as if she'd been wearing it all the time. Tom Dooley sitting on his jackass. He says, hello, Laura. Since we now engage, honey, let's go up on the mountains in a cabin on a pre-honeymoon. Well, you see, nowadays you all go on pre-honeymoons and don't be engaged. But in 1868, 
You had to be engaged to a gal to take her on a pre-honeymoon. They went up on the mountain on a pre-honeymoon. And he contacted a venereal disease from this girl. And in that day and time, there was no cure for venereal disease. So he was in a hell of a shape. So was the gal. So Tom Dooley thought he was doing society a good deed in order to keep the gal from spreading the disease among others. He took up on the mountain and killed the hell out of him. This next song is a folk song that dates back to the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> this song is a murder ballad which concerns a girl who found herself in a situation from which she could not extract herself easily except by marrying her boyfriend, who was also involved in the situation. Each day in every way, her situation becomes more and more and more evident. Finally, her mother comes up to her and approaches her as only a mother can. Little Romy, she says, for that was the girl's name. Please, why don't you do something about this? Look, if you don't want to do anything about it, your father and I will do something about it. And she said, Mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> so then... So then... So then, after that, she went up to her boyfriend, whose name was Little George Lewis. She said, Little George Lewis, come, let us be married. Too long we have tarried, obviously. And he said, okay... <laughs> Okay, then, meet me down by the river. So she met him down by the river, and it was very beautiful and sylvan down by the river. There were big, overstuffed leather chairs with little <laughs> cattails growing up in between them. And great big footstools and stuff, and everybody was sitting around on the great big footstools and the big leather chairs. And they were doing little nice things. They were playing pinochle and bridge, and everybody was just kind of sitting around. And then also, the people had brought little lunches, like little thermos bottles full of garbanzo beans and hot chocolate and stuff to sup upon while they were there in the place. And little sandwiches made out of bacon, lettuce, tomato, and raisins with the crusts cut off. And huge jars full of mayonnaise and Tootsie Rolls. On and on they went, ate and drank and were merry. A fat pink cloud hung overhead. And everyone was extremely happy and pleasant feeling. And he beat her to death and threw her in the river. <laughs> Which was kind of his way of dealing with it since he hadn't been to college or learned a craft or anything and just kind of couldn't think of anything else to do. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we have this song. The name of it is The Ballad of Little Oma Wise. It starts slow and ends fast the way she did. <laughs> Well, you promised to meet me All down by the spring And some money to bring me Or some other fine thing Well, no money, no money Not to flatter the case Oh, we'll have to be married so that me no disgrace He said jump up 
behind me And away we will ride We'll go to yonder far county Where I'll make you my bride And so she jumped up behind him Oh, and away they did go To the Dulce River County My mind is to drown you And to leave you behind Oh, and he kicked her and he cuffed her To the worst understand Threw her in the deep water That flows through the land Now Roman was missing
Since we've been married and call me every name in the book. And you know that I've never raised my voice to you, and I'm not going to today. No, I'm not gonna get mad at you. I just can't live with you anymore. You know, I never would have married you, Opal, but Daddy never would let us go with any girls. I married the first girl I met, and that was you. Yeah, simmer down a little. Believe me, I did what I had to do. Don't make me go into it. You can have everything we've got. A house, a car, money in the bank, the muffler shop, sell it, do anything you want to do with it. Let's call it quits. We both made a mistake and let's just drop it. Now I'm getting a little tired of this abuse, Opal. I called you because I thought it was the thing to do. I just quietened down a little bit. Okay, 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 Opal. Remember, you ask me. I'm gonna tell you. I guess it all came to a head that night at open house over at the Coopers. I begged you to buy a new evening dress for that occasion, but no, no, you wouldn't do it. You had to wear that old faded formal that you wore to your last high school prom. I was so pretty in this dress. All the boys wanted to dance with me and they kept trying to get me to go outside. Oh, I got sick of hearing you tell that. Over and over. You know, the top of that dress kept falling down and I kept pulling it up. You know, the years kind of take their toll on us, Opal. It wasn't as much indecent as it was sickening. No wonder it kept falling down. Not only was it a strapless gown and at your age, but because you were half drunk when you put the dress on, you didn't put anything under it. And your hair. 
Women just don't wear waves and ringlets anymore. You ask me now, Opal. Well, then a couple of days later, when I was talking to that insurance man, and you kept stumbling into the room there and interrupting, why, Opal, that man didn't want any more of your fudge. And another thing, did you ever notice how that when you walked through the house, you just kind of stomped? Yeah, you just stomped along. Oh, I used to hate to walk anywhere with you. And when you would drink out of a glass or a, a cup or whatever, you just kind of sucked it out and made, made that funny sound. Oh, it used to disgust me. I wanted to hit you right in the mouth. You ask me. Well, Opal, there, there are a lot of other things. And in fact, in the last five years, I don't think you've done anything that didn't either make me mad or sick. Well, I'm on my way to the remote part of Alaska. I'll be living in an igloo up there by myself, 200 miles from the nearest town. I'll be working for the government, and I'll be spotting aircraft that flies over. They say the yearly average is about seven. Once a year, now, I'll go to Point Barra and report at the relay station. Rest of the time, I'll be out there in that igloo by myself. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Last man that had the job went crazy and beat his head against the igloo till he died. That won't happen to me. I can take anything. Well, Opal, keep your old chin up. By the way, that, that's another thing, Opal. Did you ever notice when you when you talk that you kind of drew your chin back and your, your lips got tight and thin and you, your neck all wrinkled up? Oh, I, I wanted to bust you every time you did that. I knew if I did, I, I wouldn't be able to stop. Well, again, I remind you, Opal, you asked me. Everything you did was wrong. You couldn't do anything right. And now maybe I'll, I'll finally have a little, little peace of mind. Good luck. Good luck. High upon a snowy crag was born a rippling baby. Will I be big and strong one day? And his mother earth said, maybe. There is a way down to the sea, my son, if you are clever. You'll go ahead and make your bed to lie in it forever. So the Colorado baby went along his lonesome way. He huffed and he puffed and soon enough he heard a loud voice say, Hey, where do you think you're going? You'd best keep off of my toes. I'm Gunnison, the son of a gun, and what I say here goes. Poor Colorado, just looking for a sea. His mama never told him what sea it ought to be. This may take a little time, but I'll bet you if I tried, I could dig a well right through hell and come out on the other side. Oh, glory, what a ride. 
Colorado bounced the gunnison just like he was a feather. Hey, easy lad, don't get so damn mad. We're in this thing together. With noble Savoie fair, he picked up Miss Dolores. He next was seen taking Miss Green and heading for the forest. He took 'em through a canyon where he'd built some cataracts. They split their girdles on these hurdles, pretty near broke their backs. Then he cut a canyon one mile deep and made his grandstand play from a lava dike. He took a bite and spit the rest away. Poor Colorado, just looking for a sea. His mama never told him what sea it ought to be. This may take a little time, but I'll bet you if I tried, I could dig a well right through hell and come out on the other side of glory. What a ride! From there on, it was easy, and to the sea he ran. When he arrived, no one denied that river was a man. So now you think my story has surely got to end, but humans came to stake their claim and call that river friend. They checked his endless labor with a big cement creation. And he said, "Well, now what the hell? I can't fight reclamation. I'll just sit here and chew away on this concrete foundation." And one year soon, in the month of June, they'll have free irrigation for Colorado. Just looking for a sea. His mama never told him what sea it ought to be. This may take a little time, but I'll bet you if I tried, I could dig a well right through hell and come out on the other side. Oh, glory! What a ride! I'm going to tell you a story about Larry McBrim. I know what you're thinking. What can this guy tell me about Larry McBrim that I don't already know? Well, just sit back and listen. You see, there was this one time, just one time, when old Larry met a challenge that gave even him a bit of a fright. I know what you're about to say. Hey, that doesn't sound like the Larry I know. Well, no, no, it doesn't. Now you see, Larry found himself at the top of Old Shadow Mountain, where what he found before his eyes was a strange, glowing orb, glowed like nobody's business. It did. Now I know what you're feeling—a strange, tingling sensation, not unpleasant, but likely malevolent. Now Larry looked at the glowing orb and didn't know what to do, for once. But he thought it would be a grand idea to poke it with a big old stick, and poking it was just what he did. Now I know what you're wondering: is something probing my mind? Well, yes. Now Larry kept on poking that thing, and every time he did, it just glowed brighter and brighter. Now I know what you're thinking: you're thinking of tangerine shampoo, hoping that by focusing on a single innocuous object. 
the thing probing your mind won't be able to navigate your subconscious. Well, you're wrong. Now, it was around this time that the big glowing orb on Shadow Mountain started humming like the dickens. Well, without a doubt, a lot of people would have headed to the hills. But can you imagine Larry running away? Not when all you're imagining is tangerine shampoo. You are so, so weak. Now, our old Larry just stood there, straight as an arrow, and began poking the orb even harder. Now, the more he poked, the more it glowed. The more he poked, the more it glowed. The more he poked, the more it... Stop thinking about tangerine shampoo, you pathetic, feeble, bipedal livestock! Your impertinence will come at a great cost. Prepare for... <sighs> eh, all right. I'm going to tell you what happened next. That big glowing orb? Well, it turned out to be just an old police siren. Can you believe that? If this had worked like it did in the lab, you would have. Now, friend, it's been good talking to you, but I think I'll be on my way. Hey, you! Let me tell you a story about Larry McBrim. The man who preached the funeral said it really was a simple way to die. He lay down to rest one afternoon and never opened up his eyes. They hired me and Fred and Joe to dig the grave and carry up some chairs. It took us seven hours and I guess we must have drunk a case of beer I guess I ought to go and watch them put him down but I don't own a suit And anyway when they start talking about the fire in hell well I get spooked So I'll just sit here in my truck and act like I don't know him when they pass Anyway, when they're all through, I've got to go to work and mow the grass Well, here they come and who's that riding in that big old shiny limousine Look at all that chrome, I do believe that that's the sharpest thing I've seen That must belong to his great uncle, someone said he owned the big old farm When they get parked, I'll mosey down and look it over, that won't do no harm Well that must be the widow in the car, and would you take a look at that That sure is a pretty dress You know some women do look good in black well, He's not even in the ground And they say that his truck is up for sale They say she took it pretty hard But you can't tell too much behind the veil Well listen, ain't that pretty When the bugler plays the military taps 
I think that when you're in the war, they always hide and play a song like that. Well, here I am and there they go, and I guess you just call it my bad luck. I hope he rests in peace. The trouble is, the fella owes me forty bucks. You rag, belady. Yes, Parker. Oh, Parker. Yes, belady. I think I'd like to take a little ride. And Parker. Yes, belady. Somewhere just around the countryside. Have you prepared the Rolls Royce? Is it ready for a run? Oh yes, belady. Quite all right. Everything's been done. I've lubricated all the cannon. And I polished up the gun. Oh, Parker! Well done. International Rescue. A Lady Penelope speaking. Hi there, Penny. Jeff here. We've got a hot one for you. Ready and waiting, Jeff. May I have details? Sure thing, Penny. A foreign agent has managed to steal the small but very vital neutronic stabilizer unit out of Thunderbird Two. From information just received from the FBI through your Scotland Yard, he is proceeding down your motorway M4 after landing at London Airport. We need your help, Penny. Car is black saloon, make unknown. Registration number HPJ nine six O C. Repeat HPJ nine six O C. Can you take care of it? Yes, Jeff. Leave it to me. You rang, belady. Cancel the countryside run, Parker. We've just been called to an urgent assignment. Get out the Rolls Royce. It's already waited at the door, belady. Very good, Parker. vehicle in question is now just ahead, belady. Very good, Parker. Now, belady. Now, Parker. Home, belady. Home, Parker. Oh, Parker. Yes, belady. You'll have to clean the guns again, I fear. And Parker. 
Yes, belady. I'm sorry to have messed up all your gear. That's quite all right, belady. He's not as bad as it appears. I've got a few more jobs to do, so don't have any fears. I've got a few the gas bombs yet, and sharpen up the spears. Oh, Parker. Well done. Oh, Parker. Yes, belady. Well done. Started or what? All right, never mind. Uh, good evening, good evening, and once upon a time, you tuned in and heard this show, and it was good. And, uh, and God said, "Let there be more." So here it is. There's some more. So tonight we uh, tell some stories because in the old days, that's how stories went: was by song and by poetry and things like that. Uh, and that's kind of why. We managed to stay smart all these years. We didn't have YouTube back then. We didn't have Wikipedia. Uh, we didn't have much sense either, but that's the way it goes. But what we do have now is me. I'm KBC, and this is the Bit Slap. Tonight we tell stories, starting with one you all know, Three Little Pigs from Al Jasbo Collins, the Carrie Garfin Four. That was the Three Bears, all three of them. Yes, ma'am. Uh, VD. Abner J. He was a uh, an itinerant storyteller, I guess of some sort. Um, let's see. We heard the Battle of Little Romy, the late Judy Hensky. Judy just died a few months ago. Sad to hear that. Uh, she's got a wonderful voice. I love that voice of hers. Uh, Florida Man was Joe Willie and the Moving Men. For the record, uh, Tommy Collins, Opal. You asked me. Okay, or Opal, you asked me. I'm not sure how that comes out, but that that song tells a story, doesn't it? Not? Okay. Uh, poor Colorado was Katie Lee, and of course, Colorado was the the river story of a river. Uh, Larry McBrim. A lot of people were talking about Larry McBrim a year or two ago, but uh, yeah, he's he's back. Power salad that was. Uh, the ballad of forty dollars was Tom T. Hall. Probably the nation's premier singing ta- sa- la, sa- storyteller. Okay, uh, just so you know. And then Parker, well done with Lady Lady Penelope and Parker from 1965. Don't know what to tell you about that one, but it's over now, and you'll probably never hear it again. Okay, here's some more stuff you'll probably never hear again either. little ones, this is your Uncle Jasbo with Jack and the Beanstalk. Once upon a time in the land of Futurakisaki, on the shores of seafood, lived a mama and her son Jack. This Jack was so square he was octagonal. He could hardly tell the time without a downbeat. One bright, while he was reading his latest issue of Goldilocks for Short Hairs, his mama said, Jack, I don't want to be a drag, but peril is at the door. Nutty, said Jack, let her in, I'll show her my stamp collection. 
No, you fool, Mama said. Our geets is gone. We're low on bread. When I say bread and geets, I mean loot, cabbage, moolah, money. Well, since Jack and Mama were feeling the lowest, something had to go. It was the cow, Old Spigots. On his way to the market with the cow, Jack met a man with some pretty colored beans. Jack the cat said, give me some of that cow skin and these wild vitamins are yours. Well, Jack was left holding the beans and of course the cow was holding the bag all the time. When Jack made the home scene, his mama flipped. Son, you are uncool. The deal you made was the lowest. Whereupon she flung the seeds out of the window like. Very early next, Jack saw this wild vegetating scene out the window. Man, said Jack, what crazy asparagus. I got eyes to see it to the tip, and I got the feet to make it. He laced up his tap boots and climbed the highest. Up there before him he saw a castle that looked the most. And in the doorway selling sheet music was this huge, monstrous, tremendous, gargantuan... Man, said Jack, you are the biggest. And the giant sang out, five, four, fum, fee... I sell the music of Dizzy Gillespie. Be you round, be you square, it's guaranteed to curl your hair. Crazy, said Jack. Fall on in, said the giant. No cover, no minimum. Show is just about to begin. And it did, opening with Castle Rock from the band. And then the giant gave the intro for the feature act. His magic harp. And it was solid. Solid gold. And it could swing by itself and be an E-flat at the same time. What a gasser, said Jack. The music's the most. I'm getting a hip education. When the show ended, Jack got his tab. Wow, what skullduggery. This can't be the bill. It's got to be the phone number. And with that, he grabs the harp and heads for the beanstalk, and you know who in hot pursuit. Stop, thief, cried the giant. You're not a member of the local. Besides, you didn't pay your check. I'm wise, cried Jack, but your harp belongs to Daddy, and I'm taking it to him. Well, he makes it to the stock and clambers on down with the monster getting cozier all the time. Fetch the axe, mother, yelled Jack. With the giant coming down the stock in basso profundo, Jack came on with the axe like celery stalks at midnight and the harp cut in on its own, but not on the stock. Down came the beanstalk with a crash and for the giant it was the end. Now that's one way of bringing down the high nightclub prices, said Jack. Ain't it though, said Mama. Yeah, cut in the harp and no strings attached. CHUM's 62nd Shakespeare Presenting Hamlet 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 is a lively little play in which all the fun people get killed. Uh, Plot-wise, it's the story of a great Dane and a melancholy. Hamlet needed a haircut and he had a thing about basic black. He would brood for hours about whether or not he should keep bees. To be or not to be, he used to say. Hamlet had two fathers. One was a ghost who used to skulk the parapets and yell, Trick or treat! at the castle guards. The other father married Hamlet's mother, a walking testimony over Vic Tanny. Mommy, not knowing her classics, often confused Hamlet with Oedipus. She died from an overdose of Freud foods. Ophelia's father, Polonius, is a busybody who caught his eyeball in a drafty keyhole and died from a severe sword. Meanwhile, Hamlet was out of his skull about a last named Yorick, and this made Ophelia mad, and she flunked a Red Cross swimming test. Ophelia's brother, Laertes, who has no sense of humor, stabs Hamlet with a sword smeared with tainted corned beef. They rush Seltzer to his side, but too late. Hamlet says, the rest is silence, and then dies. Who wouldn't with a line like that? 
This has been CHUM's Capsule Culture for the Scholar. Lately, also, my friends have been telling me, they said, you know, song, songs are starting to get more and more opinionated, so I wanted to tell you, uh, before I played any further, that I might, over the course of the night, share a couple of my opinions with you, but I'm not going to share them with you because I think that they're smart. I'm going to share them with you because they rhyme. And... <laughs> I'm being sincere when I say that. I'm, I, didn't, I ain't traveling around trying to change nobody's mind. I'm traveling around trying to ease my own. I come from Portland, Oregon, banned from my hometown, put out a song in the 60s that was so allegedly sexually suggestive and lewd that the government opened up a file on the song. First time that they ever opened up a file on a song that I know of or that anyone else has ever heard of. And I read a lot of rock magazines. Anyway, this song is dedicated to a band called The Kingsmen, and my hope is always that it will inspire someone to have sex with each other. <laughs> the Kingsmen came together in a garage. They could hardly even play, but they practiced night and day. Pretty soon they got to where they could really play that song, Louie Louie. So they saved up all the money from their shows, and they went into one of those studios, and they gave their version of that song, Louie Louie, a try. Now, I don't know the words to that song, Louie Louie, and I'm pretty sure that the singer for the Kingsman didn't know them either. <laughs> if he did know them, he didn't get them right on the record, because on the record, they sound completely jumbled in his jaw. He says, me think of me, girl, oh, so constantly. Me, me, well, that last part scared everybody from the PTA to the FBI. You see, the kids have been going kind of crazy lately. Seemed like nobody could figure out why. So they decided to form a coalition and launch an investigation, you know, for the kids. They figured they at least had to try to figure out the words to that song, Louie Louie. It's the feel-good Hit of the sinless summer It gets kids out of control Saying long to that star-spangled bomber Hail, hail, rock and roll You know Marilyn Manson's real name? It's not Marilyn Manson. He's a skinny public high school kid from Ohio. He's not some monster from out of this world. And like a lot of skinny public high school kids, he was sick of getting beaten up by the pulling guard all week, only to go out on the weekend and watch the quarterback get all the girls. So he formed a band, man. And now Marilyn Manson gets a lot of chicks. They're weird chicks. They are chicks. If 
few years later, a couple of latchkey kids go tragically mad. Everybody's gathered around the television store at the mall trying to figure out what went wrong. And this guy says, you think the life of a kid going to school around here could have gotten that bad? And the guy said, no, probably just the words to one of those goddamn Marilyn Manson songs. You know which one. It's the feel good. His endless summer. It gets kids out of control Saying along to that star-spangled bummer Hail, hail, rock and roll You know, every ten years or so, our country and some other little country, we start firing all of our newest weapons at each other. For some reason or another, right or wrong, like it or not, it happens. And when it happens, people get shot. And when people get shot, they show that on TV a lot. Every night at six o'clock. And you don't have to be 18 to see that. You don't even have to be in first grade. First grade, where they teach a kid the pride that they tell him he's going to need to thrive in a world where they say that only the strong will survive. So he's taught the art of more to compare to and to keep score. Monday through Friday while he stares at the floor till Sunday they make him go to school once more. Only this time they make him wear a suit and a tie and listen to some guy who claims to know where people go when they die. Tell him that only the meek are going to inherit the earth. Whew! <laughs> Well, by this time, how could any kid know what anything was worth? Now, brothers and sisters, I am only one guy. And I don't know the words to that song, Louie Louie. But I can tell you right now, without batting an eye, that the next time some latchkey kid goes wrong, it ain't going to be because of something that some rap singer said in his song. And I ain't trying to preach to you either. I'm just trying to sing to you, too. String a few words together. Hey, kids, let's get it on. <laughs> Let's get it on. I believe in miracles. Where are you from? You sexy thing. Prophet are brave men and bold And quite unaccustomed to fear And the bravest and bold Was a man I am told Called Abdullah Bulbul Amir Now heroes were plenty And well known to fame In the troops that were led by the Tsar And the bravest of fame Was a man by the name Of Ivan Skavinsky Skavar he could imitate Irving, play poker and pool, and strum on a Spanish guitar. In fact, quite the cream of the Muscovite team was Ivan Skavinsky Skavar. One day this bold Russian had shouldered his gun and walked down the streets with a sneer. Downtown he did go where he trod on the toe of Abdullah Bulbul Amir. 
Young man, quoth the dull, has your life grown so dull that you wish to end your career? Violin fiddle, no, you have to run on the toe of that dull bulbulamir. So take your last look at the sunshine and brook and send your regrets to the czar. By this I imply you are going to die. Count Ivan Skavinsky's goodbye. Said Ivan, my friend, your remarks in the end will avail you by little I fear. For you ne'er will survive to repeat them alive, Mr. Abdullabulbulamir. They fought all that night, neath the moon shining bright. The battle was heard from afar. The police came in time to exchange a last line with Abdul and Skavinsky Skavar. Now a tomb rises up where the blue Danube flows, engraved there in characters clear. A stranger, when passing, please pray for the soul of Abdul Abulbolamir. A Muscovite maiden, her lone vigil keeps. Neath the light of the pale polar star, and the name that she murmurs so oft as she weeps is Ivan Skavinsky Skavar. St. John, New Brunswick by the sea. Back in 1936, it was just my mom and me. And as she wandered through the land, shunned by family, she often had to beg for bread while I was only three. She taught me to hitchhike and to face the road alone and sing about what life was like for those that had no home. Holy, holy, holy. Well, I turned four in Halifax, five in Montreal, and every small town in between by six I knew them all. And when the long road took us back to St. John, Mama cried, that night the strong arm of the law tore me from her side. And they made me an orphan and taught me not to roam. Just cry myself to sleep at night and not be a rolling stone. Holy, holy, holy. By the time that I turned eight they said that I was cured. Cured from all that wanderlust to which I had been lured. And just in case my mum would try to find out where I'd gone, they shipped me off to PEI to a farm in Skinner's Pond. And though I love the country, I call this island home. I'd sing about what life was like with a mother's love unknown. Believe, believe. When I was 13 years of age, I couldn't take no more I ran away from home one day and left my island shore 
And while the Mounties everywhere were looking for their men, on a merchant ship from old St. John I sailed for Newfoundland. And away out on the Grand Banks the truth came like a knife. A drifter I would always be upon the roads of life. Out Before the age of seventeen I seen this country wide. An old guitar I'd gladly play and I'd thank you for the ride. And many a conversations had through my journey long. They wound up in my repertoire of Canadian country songs. And everywhere I traveled, I dreamed along the way. God might make this vagabond a country star someday. Then one night in Timmins Town, North Ontario, they said, if you can sing, we'll keep you around for a week or so. I packed the place for 14 months, and before they let me go, I'm driving a car, I got a new guitar, and I'm singing on the radio. From there, this old hitchhiker, he was on his road to fame, with Bud the Spud from the bright red mud and the good old hockey game. Hoodly, hoodly. Then came Sudbury Saturday night at the Gumboot Plogaroo. They made me the chairman of the board till I stomped the hole right through. And like old Luke with his old guitar, my song wasn't over yet. Till I sang the ode that I wrote for the road and the mum that I can't forget. And when the party was over, I began to write this song. And tonight you've heard me sing the words to the ballad of Stompin' Tom. Tonight you've heard me sing the words to the ballad of Stompin' Tom. Perhaps about the warm breath woman. 
woman who was waiting at the journey's end He started down the two-mile drop The curving road that wound from the top of the hill He was pushing on through the shortening miles That ran down to the depot Just a few more miles to go That leads into Scranton, Pennsylvania All those 30,000 pounds Oh, banana You know the man who told me about it on the As it went up the hill out of Scranton, Pennsylvania He shrugged his shoulders, he shook his head And he said And this is exactly what he said Boy, it sure must have been something Just imagine 30,000 pounds of banana Yes, there were 30,000 Of mashed bananas Of bananas Of bananas Just bananas Thirty thousand pounds Of bananas 
chili dog on ice. I need a chili dog. Gotta have me a chili dog. I wanna have me a chili dog. I need a chili dog. I don't want any jerk chili chicken. Dog. Uh-uh. No rice and peas for me. Gotta have me a chili dog. Satan gave me a taco and it made me really sick. The chicken was all raw and the grease was mighty thick. The rice was all rancid and the beans were so hard. I was getting kind of dizzy, eating all the lard. There was aphids on the lettuce and I ate everyone. And after I was done, the salsa melted off my tongue. Pieces of tortilla got stuck in my throat And the stains on my clothes burned the hole through my coat My stomach was trembling, I broke out in a rash I was so dry and thirsty and I didn't have no cash So I went and found a hose, tore off all my clothes Turned on the water and it shot right up my nose Some old lady came along and she thought I was a freak So she beat me with a handbag till I could hardly speak I was lying there naked, my body badly bruised in a pool of my own blood Unconscious and confused, when the cops came and got me And threw me in their van, and I woke up on the ceiling And I couldn't find my hand They took me to the judge His eyes are glowing red The courtroom was filled With witches and the dead Where the sheriff was a hellhound With fangs and claws The prisoners were tied up And chained to the walls The air was getting thick The smoke was getting thicker The judge read the verdict Said cut off his head Well, they placed me on the altar They raised up the axe My head was about to explode When I noticed the martial stacks I noticed all the smoke machines Cameras and lights Some guy with a microphone Running around dancing in tights And I noticed the crew And the band playing down below And I realized I was in a rocket So I went and joined the band And I went out on tour And I smoked a lot of heroin And I passed out in the north I made out with the groupies Started fires backstage Made a lot of money And I gave it all away Well, the band got killed So I started a solo career And I won all the awards And I 
was a rainy night and all the windows were tight. There were 13 people in the house. The owner and his wife, the butler and his wife, cooked with a knife. A couple named Smythe, the Andersons were there with another strange pair and the scary caretaker and me. The clock struck one, there was the sound of a gun, and I heard somebody run away. And the twelve who were alive had terror in their eyes, and I overheard the Andersons say, Who could have done it? Who could have done it? And I wonder where's the crook in her night? Adam said Adam with his wife by his side It was the shot we heard that took her life You're the couple named Sloan And I ran to the phone to call the police But just then all the power went out And we heard a great shout And we knew for someone else it was the end When the power came on we were shocked with the alarm For instead of being twelve, we were ten Who could have done it? Who could have done it? The Anderson was such a nice pal Now the owner and his wife Both are faithful to life So they hurried to the door to run away But before they got there There was a whistle through the air Then another, then they both had passed away There were seven of us left now Afraid to death now But I knew it wasn't me or the Sloans Cause when the power went out And we heard the other shout We were out there in the hallway on the phone That left the butler and his wife And the couple named Smythe And the old scary caretaker too So the Sloans and I Who were both afraid to die Had to think of something quick we could do So we called the Smythes and the butler and his wife And we gathered in the drawing room But before we could call for the caretaker too It was too late before he had met his doom It looked like poison That left five, five, five were still alive The Sloans, the Smythes and myself Once again the lights went out And I heard a great shout From both the Smythes and the Sloans And then the lights came on again And I looked around again And everybody was dead And I was alone Well I must have passed out For the next thing I knew I was waking with my hands in chains There was a man with a Don't bother, son, you'll have plenty of time to explain I was rushed to a car, then taken to a cell And a lawyer came in and said his name He said, I'm sure you told the truth Well, the truth is, my boy, to believe it, the judge would be insane <clears throat> Now, before I pass sentence on you, have you anything to say? I said, are you kidding? I said, this must be a dream I said, this can't be real You don't believe a word that I've said And then he looked me in the eye and said Have mercy on the soul And I was hanged By the neck Until death Have mercy Hey Wait a minute Hey stop Hey would you mind rewinding 
to the end uh, but of course we're not done we're never done um, before I forget anything else I want to remind you to get out there and fucking vote okay there's a lot at stake here and it's not going to be pretty if nobody stops these guys and I know you guys can do it I've sifted you out I've picked you each handpicked because I know you're the right kind of people so don't let me down start with Jack and the Beanstalk that was Al Jasbo Collins, just like the top of the show. Figured that was a good way to start things. Hamlet, the 60-second Shakespeare version from 1968. 63, my goodness, I didn't know it was that old. Todd Snyder, another great storyteller. The story of Louis Louis, uh, as only he could tell it. Mostly the uh, story of the Kingsman. And we heard from... Um, Abdul Abulbul Amir, Abdul Abulbul Amir, a uh, popular song of the day, this time done by Frank Ifield from 1954. Uh, yeah, you remember him. Of course you do. Uh, the Ballad of Stompin' Tom, Stompin' Tom Connors, the pride of uh, New Brunswick, not far from me here. 30,000 Pounds of Bananas, Harry Chapin, All Over the Highway, yep. Uh, there's a certain irony to that song if you remember what happened to Harry Chapin Sunny Jim Chili Dog uh, I've had that kind of craving I've had that kind of craving I have it today um, I miss Arby's we had an Arby's here gone and I, I just I don't know I've lost 30 pounds which is probably not a bad thing right okay Satan gave me a taco was Beck Beck I, I'm playing Beck what the hell is going on here and then who done it? Harry Nielsen. Uh, I believe that was from the movie Clue. I don't, didn't even check it because I just don't care. Okay. Anyway, we'll be back with some more stuff next week. Uh, please, please don't forget to vote. I mean, if you don't vote, then I have to blame you. Okay. You don't want that on your conscience. Here comes some more. Is this thing working? Is this thing on? In the hallway of a high school. Anywhere USA, there was a bully that would pick on a different kid, and it seemed like every day. He had this pack of back-slapping buddies that would laugh and back him up all the way, and this screaming girlfriend that would make believe in everything he'd say. Is this thing working? Is this thing on? Because then one day this kid that he'd beat up a couple times before realized to even his own surprise that he probably could indeed take more. And with that, he hatched the evil plan to make that devil pay. He walked up to him in the middle of the gym, and he found the nerve to say, You're going to hit somebody today? You're going to hit me too. In fact, you're going to hit me every day, because now I'm picking on you. 
And as crazy as it all might sound right now, I'm not stopping until I'm through. It's too late to beg for mercy. Is this thing working? Is this thing on? Because that bully, he just laughed and laughed, of course. And so did all of his friends. And he beat that poor kid unmercifully for days and days on end. Only slightly less impressively each time to that pretty girl and all of his friends. Who would eventually, secretly, start hoping for that kid to win. So is this thing working? Is this thing on? You know, you'll never hear him say this now because he thinks we still don't know. But winning this battle every day cost our bully the war a long time ago. And of all the scars he's got to show for every blow that kid sneaks in, the worst one is probably knowing that tomorrow he's going to have to get up and fight that kid again. Is this thing working? Is this thing on? McCarthy is dead, McGinnis don't know it, McGinnis is dead, McCarthy don't know it, they both lay dead on the very same bed, but neither one knows that the other is dead. Before he died, this fellow McCarthy, one Saturday night, got drunk at a party. He took a swing at Officer King. The next day, he carried his head in a sling. McCarthy was always good to his wife. He had to be so all right. Pity his life, although she was only half his size. She jumped on the table and scratched out his eyes. On St. Patrick Day, he was there, a shine on his shoes and all on his hair. He wore a green jacket and really looked swell with a genuine shamrock in his lapel. One day he was taking his wife to a dance. The dog took a chance and snapped at his pants. McCarthy got angry and started to sneer, then lifted the mongrel and bit off its ear. He drank like a fish, he ate like a savage, his favorite dish was corned beef and cabbage, he fought like a tiger, he hit like a mule, and boy could he knock off a good game of pool. <laughs> McCarthy and Mr. McGinnis next door could never agree, they were always at war, said Heath and McGinnis, the day when you die, I'll buy everybody a strawberry pie. <laughs> Said Mr. McGinnis and Mr. McCarthy, you may be tough and healthy and hearty, but if you don't shut up and behave, you'll soon be asleep in a seven-foot grave. <laughs> one stormy night, they met in the hall to settle their argument once and for all. Now one used a shovel and one used a rock, and both were in heaven at seven o'clock. <laughs> So McCarthy is dead, but McGinnis don't know it. McGinnis is dead, and McCarthy don't know it. They both lay dead on the very same bed, but neither one knows that the other is dead.
country, we didn't have mortuaries, and so it was always customary for the undertaker to do his job and lay your kin out right there at home. Yeah, and the church would loan you folding chairs, and you'd have visitation and everything right there. But when the nighttime come, you'd have to sit up with the dead, cause it wasn't right to leave them alone. Well, the last time I sat up was 65, when my old arthritic uncle Fred died. He was 97, so stooped over, the mortician couldn't straighten him out. They used a logging chain to hold him down. Covered that all up with a cape and a gown And didn't tell nobody in the family Cause that's the kind of stuff folks just don't want to know about Well, we were all sitting there It was three in the morning And then there come up a cloud Of thunder, lightning, and storming Well, that lightning flashed And that thunder clapped And that chain round old up Fred went snap Rattled and fell to the floor with a thump And Uncle Fred just sat right up And I ain't sitting up with the dead no more I don't know about you No, I ain't sitting up with the dead no more No matter what you say or do They say the dead can't hurt you Cause they already left But what they left can sure make you hurt yourself And I ain't sitting up with the dead no more Since the dead started sitting up too Lord have mercy. Well, when Uncle Fred sat up, so did everyone there. And there came a great parting of the folding chairs, and that preacher nearly knocked me down. He said, Oh, I'm heading out that kitchen door. I hollered, Rev, that kitchen ain't got no door in it. He said, Don't worry, son, it will have in a minute. And I ain't never seen so much jumping and shoving before. And then somebody stepped on old cat's tail He let out a scream, a screech, a wail And to say the least, that howl didn't help to calm the situation down And then that lightning flashed and that house went black And I spoke to my feet, so I said, boys, make tracks And I went through that screen door, licking his split for town Whoa. Well, I cut through the cemetery, fell in a hole it was Uncle Fred's grave and it was dark and cold Yeah, the town drunk dug it and he dug it too deep And unbeknownst to me, he's still in there asleep And I'm scratching and jumping, trying to get out of that hole And he woke up and said, you might as well come over here and sit down beside me, boy Cause you ain't getting out of here tonight But I did I don't know about you. No, I ain't setting up with a dead no more. No matter what you say or do, they say the dead can't hurt you cause they already left. But what they left can sure make you hurt yourself. And I ain't setting up with a dead no more since the dead started setting up too. Wasn't no sense of nobody setting up with Uncle Fred anyhow. Uncle Fred don't be gonna set up with his own self. Next time, I'm just going to send flowers. Yeah.